Church, I do want to thank you for being an amazing group of people, though, that we do reach out to those who need um, comfort. And so, again, just thank you for who you are. Um, there is um, something I do need to share with you that I think uh, many of you will enjoy. Uh, last week, I, I made a pretty bold statement about furry four-legged animals. Um, <laughs> And a few of you showed me your pictures of those furry four-legged animals after church. And I thank you for that. And that was great. Um, Melissa and Abram stayed home last Sunday because our dog uh, wasn't doing so well. She was a little sick. So rather than having her throwing up and making messes in the house, they stayed home to take care of her. And uh, apparently when I made the comment about the four-legged feline animal, um, our youngest son, Abram, apparently looked at Melissa and said, can we get a cat? <laughs> so, Abram, when you move out of the house, you can have as many cats as you want. You only want two? That's great. So, my own family's against me. It's Okay. Well, we're going to jump right into it this morning. If you could open up to Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. There's no fancy, big, hooking story to grab your attention. We're going to let Scripture speak for itself this morning. This is a passage that um, oh, is kind of a gut check passage, uh, kind of interesting. Uh, this young man... has a very interesting discussion with Jesus. So here it is. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. As Jesus started on, on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on, his feet, uh, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. Remember last week we talked about how like Jesus doesn't always answer with a statement, he'll ask another question. There it is. <laughs> No one is good except God alone. And you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. And honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept, I, that I've kept since I was a boy. So this is a cool little statement. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Okay, that's pretty interesting. I love that. We'll come back to that. One thing you lack, he said, Go, sell everything you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. All right. We have been talking about these thresholds as we talk with individuals who don't know Jesus, things that they typically, generally speaking, will move through in a process and uh, the first one was that they were going to move from distrust to trusting just a Christian, someone who follows Jesus. So when they get beyond that part, then they move from this uh, indifference or apathy towards things to a curiosity, asking questions and just, and just wondering, like, why, why are you doing this? Why do you live this way? So on and so forth, questions like that. And so when we look at the story of this rich young ruler, I want to ask you the questions this morning. Do you see this young man 
and a distrustful phase or a trusting phase towards Jesus? Anybody? What was that? Trusting, Trusting, yeah. He says, good teacher. Like you don't walk up to someone like, you're really great, don't ever say anything to me because what you say is nonsense. Good teacher. He falls at his knees. It's a sign of respect, a sign of submission, a sign of like, I, I, I adhere to your authority. What about curiosity? Is that there? How so? How is he curious? He wants Right. How do I inherit eternal life? So he's got two thresholds that he's passed through. But today we're going to see the third, which is hard because it's being open to change. This rich young ruler was challenged to open up to change, and it seemed impossible. He felt sad. Change. Change, change, change. That's what we're talking about, being open to it. And I'm going to kind of jump from that kind of a heavier, serious moment to something really kind of facetious, but it will make sense. In our world, sometimes, maybe not me, but some people can get really caught up with making the decision of changing their hairstyle. It can be overwhelming. It can almost be daunting to change the way your hair looks because how our hair is cut is how we perceive how people see us. That sounds kind of silly and a little strange, but like, just think of it. How we want to be seen is the identity that we're putting out and how people are going to see us. We want it to be good. Now, when we lived in Bartlesville, before I was really heavily involved in ministry, we were, I was interning at a, at a Nazarene church. I was like quarter-time, part-time staffish, whatever you want to call it, and Melissa cut her hair. And, and Melissa's growing it out right now. But when Melissa grows her hair out and chops it off, she looks completely different. And as we walked through Walmart, we had a couple from the church in Bartlesville like, come up behind us and stop us. And basically, like, make sure that they were concerned that I was cheating on my wife. Her identity kind of physically changes when she cuts her hair. It's strange, right? Like, and and it sounds kind of facetious to talk about, like, hair, but, like, that's, it's drastic. When we cut our hair... Whether we want to admit it or not, there's a little thing inside of us that, especially when like the teenage years, like kid years, in the early 20s or something like that, like, if I do this, what are people going to think? Is this going to be okay? I'm not saying it's right or wrong, it's just what it is. But we don't like it. We don't like change. Change is hard for us. Change is hard for anyone. And in this book, I Once Was Lost, that we've been kind of going through as a church together on Sunday mornings here, um, we, this, this author writes and uses the analogy of the seed. 
And the seed is the person that is walking through these thresholds, right? So as a seed, before they're planted in the ground, the seed is trusting us that we're gonna put it in the ground and something good is gonna happen, right? Okay, I can trust you, put me in the ground, cover me up, great. Then the seed is gonna germinate a little bit inside of the ground, ask questions like, I think this is okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sprout a little bit of something into the soil here, but the third, the change that this, this seed is gonna grow through is that it needs the environment in order to sprout and crack the ground and thrive in the sun. It's a big step for the seed because once it shoots out of the ground, it's either gonna live or it's gonna die. And that environment in the ground has to be right. The soil has to be right. It's got to have the right nutrients. It's gotta have the right amount of water. It's gotta have, everything has gotta be good. And what I like about this is in this book is that this author puts a lot of responsibility back on our shoulders, which I think is fantastic, right? Like some of the responsibility that we have in this journey is, is our words and the grace and the time and the investment that we put into this, this relationship and walking someone, having help them walk through this journey. Like their passing through the thresholds is just as vital as us walking with them in this. Like they go hand in hand. And for us as believers, our job, our role, and our, our commitment then is to provide the right environment. And that environment, even though it's good at the base, is, is going against a multitude of other things coming at that seed to stomp it down and kill it. To kill the joy, to kill the curiosity, to kill anything you can think of. Because as they're growing, as they're cracking the soil and crossing this threshold, they are confronted with changing viewpoints of how they view the world. Any one of us coming to Jesus, we are, we are faced with a new way of thinking, new decisions, a new decision-making process, and just looking at life generally differently. As a follower of Jesus, as, as you've been walking with him maybe a year up to like a few decades now, think back before you knew Jesus. The decisions you made, did they change or they alter after you met Jesus? If you had to make the same decisions over again before Jesus, would they be different? Probably. Because following Jesus puts us in a spot where when we, when we struggle with selfishness, like we start realizing our decisions aren't always based about us. There's a bigger picture involved with most every decision we have to make. And the chances are that our, our, our process changes because of grace. We see people differently. We see people in a better light. And this is the grace of not just be kind to everyone because it's grace, right? Like, oh, I'm, we're just really great people now, so we're gonna always be nice to you because it's grace. No, this is, this is grace when, when you hear the different viewpoint and, and, it, and it rubs you the wrong way. You're not the one going, I'm gonna put my foot down, I'm gonna tell them what's what. It's grace enough to shut your mouth and let them process it, to ask the questions. It's the grace enough to, to know that even though someone's hurt you, you can still love them in the way that Jesus is called to love them. The reason change is incredible is because change isn't easy. 
we love seeing someone change and, and go through the process and we're like, look at this, look at, how, look at how great this is turning out. Or, you know, someone who's worked on a house out of nothing. Look how great that house looks now. Look at what you built. There wasn't anything on that, on that ground that here it is and it was hard and that change of digging down and laying lines and building walls and everything that goes into it isn't an easy task. But when it's done, it's amazing. Same with the lives of people following Jesus. Like, we look at them like, how in the world can any one of these people change? And then we see it and it's like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Talk to my youth pastor. He would look at me and go, there ain't no way this person's gonna know Jesus. And yet here I am. And it's like, this is a good change. Because when I was 14 in the youth group, he had a... Uh, he had a handy method of getting our attention. He had a whistle. And if we were talking and going crazy and all that other good stuff, and we were like, you know, whispering out to each other's ears and making all sorts of nuisancing comments and blah, 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 he would, in the middle of his lesson, keep talking and walk around and get right next to you with the whistle and just blow that whistle right in your ear. Oh, okay, God, I won't do that again. We learned very fast. And I was a bit of a nuisance in a youth group setting. But when we deal with change, one of the greatest things we can really do is be honest with it, right? Even as a follower of Jesus, we deal with hard questions that don't go answered. And that's the beauty of that, right? That still puts us on this common ground where we can watch someone go through this process and as they are trying on Jesus and understand this, this, this third threshold of being open to change still doesn't mean they're following Jesus. They're basically getting their feet in the water and like, do I really want to do this? But they're open to it. And so when they face these questions and you can say, I don't get it either, like I struggle too. But this is where patience and grace comes in. We're on this journey with them. We're on this journey as they change, as, as, they, as they take on this, this, these modes and methods and, and this understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. And so this journey, though, there's a tendency as, as followers for us to make a statement that we need to be careful to make. Just believe. Just trust it and believe. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. That doesn't work so well. Because when people are going through this shifting of identity, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of many little thresholds that are crossing over, right? So just think of it. There's two ways I want us to think about. One is think of that little kid that's at the edge of the diving board, right? And, and there, you know, it's 10 feet down in the water, and it's a big, huge, square chasm, and like there's an instructor or a parent down at the bottom in the water, treading water, and this kid is standing at the end, and their knees are shaking, and they're getting ready to jump, and they're, and they're like, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Well, what is the parent or the coach in the water doing? Come on, I got you. You can do this. I know. Just make the jump. It's going to be okay, right? Which is all true. Because the parent or the coach or the instructor, whatever you want to call them, they're not going to let the kid drown. They're in the water. They're waiting for the kid to jump, so then when they jump, they can get out there and help them and bring them back up, and then... Before you know it, the kid's going, that was awesome. They go do it again and again and again. 
But that kid is standing there going, and, and intellectually knowing like, yes, I know they're there. I know they're going to catch me, but I have to make this jump, and I can't touch the bottom over there. I'm going to drown. There's a lot of little things that these children are going through to make that jump, right? So when we talk to non-believers, and they're in this spot of being open to change, going, just do it. Come on. You just, just believe it's going to be great. Like, we know it will be great. We know it's going to be good. But here's the other one I want you to think about, too. You seen those puzzles made for three-year-olds? It's like six pieces, really big. And when you take the puzzle pieces off, like you can see the inlaid part on the, on the cardboard. So like you just kind of match the piece to, it takes like three seconds for us to do. That's what we're telling people. Just put the puzzle together. It's super easy. It really, really is. Just look, just line it right up. But here's what they're going through. A thousand piece 3D puzzle without a reference or a picture to see. They're like, how does, what is this even supposed to, what is, it, what is following Jesus even supposed to look like? How do I pray? What does it mean to pray? Why should I be a part of a church? Like, you do this and you say it's great, but what, what's, the, what's the framework for that? And we're going to watch people. And be with people on this journey where there's going to be days where they're going to take 150 pieces of that thousand piece puzzle and put it there together. They're going to figure that part out and we're going to be like, that's awesome. This is such great, that's, that's huge. And then we're going to see them on other days want to throw the whole puzzle away. Because life got really hard. This is that process of change. It's, it's good days, it's bad days, it's hard, it's easy, it's it's frustrating, it's not so frustrating, it's indifferent, it's, eh, it's, it, it's, it's all the emotions, right? And that's where the honesty really comes in. And I don't think all of us do this all the time, but I think there's moments in our journey of faith where we probably have these moments of going, really, God, this is who you are, this is who I've chosen to follow? And be honest with that. And be honest with the person asking questions that, you struggle too. Because here's the things that I can't tell you. I can't tell you the three or four things you need to do on this part of the journey with someone. Because every single story is different. You might be talking with someone and been working with someone who's gone through an, an incredible, like say, like, would you say like a divorce, right? And like they're in their mid-40s, and like life has changed, careers are changing, moving, houses, kids, whole nine yards, right? That's a whole big barrel of like, oh my gosh, what did I do with that? And how in the world is Jesus supposed to fit into that? And you're talking with this person, right? Yet Pastor Josh is working with the students with a 14-year-old who is getting their identity thrown at them, and they're being shown through social media of how they need to live their life. Those are two totally different realms of, of voices and priorities being thrown at them. So there is no magic formula in this threshold of being open to change that I can say, like, here's the three things to do that's going to help someone get the... But the beauty of this is I don't have to tell you any of that because by this moment of, of the process, you have invested in someone. So these conversations generally come naturally. And you have this opportunity just to be open and honest and not be afraid of your story. Because sometimes I don't think we realize that our story has a lot more power to it than we give it. 
our stories, our journeys are, 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 are real. <laughs> and parts of our stories will help somebody else. So don't be afraid to say like, yeah, I was this kind of person. I struggled this, with this issue in my life, even after knowing Jesus. There's moments when sometimes I look at Jesus and say, I'm not sure if you're listening to me. Like, it's okay to say those things. It's okay to be honest with where you're at. Because when you're honest with you, you have the ability to challenge. And here's the thing. Change is hard, right? And, and we all want to believe that one that we're open to change, right? I think we kind of facetiously say that, like, we're willing to change. Listen, as, as a pastor, like, I'm excited for us to, to move to our new location. By the way, our, we've hit the final review stage. Our, our stuff is in final review. We're waiting for that to come back. So once that's back, we should have the green light to start moving and getting things built up and, and ready to go. All right, so, sidestep back on the message. All right. <laughs> and, uh, and it's not just my concern. I think any pastor would have this concern. Like, we moved to a new location. That's great. That's awesome. But that doesn't mean, like, everything's going to be 100% different, rosy, great, whatever, right? We can't go there and just expect things to be. We need to go there with the attitude that we're going to do that God is calling us into a new area of the city and we're a part of this journey. And if we go there going, well, let's just open the doors and see what happens, we'll close our doors pretty quick. So just as much as we're calling people to be open to change and challenge, we have to be open to change and challenge. And here's the thing, I know, I know. We sit back and say like, yes, we're ready for this, but when it comes down to it, it gets really frightening because it's different. It's this uh, like in, unintentional lie that we believe, right? Like almost like the, yes, I agree to the terms and conditions that I'm gonna click this, this little box. Nobody reads the terms and conditions, yet we click it anyway, right? When your phone updates, hey, we're gonna do this update. Do you agree to the terms and conditions? Sure, I do. You have no idea. Then we get mad that they're selling our information. Why are you doing that? Well, you agree to it. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. It's in the terms and conditions. The beauty of this threshold is that in the expectation to bring someone change and challenge as they, as they become more open is that it will change and challenge us to broaden our worldview of what we think people understand about Jesus, to broaden our view of what we thought was going to be decent questions or hard questions, or it's just going to open our world to a whole different ballgame. Jesus challenged people all the time. He challenged Nicodemus in, in John chapter three. Nicodemus was, oh gosh, he's a Pharisee, right? I'm having a blank, I'm blanking out on that. Yes, he was, he was a Pharisee. Wow, that was really bad. I read the story again last night. I know the story. And he looked at Jesus and said, how in the world can I be born again? I can't enter my mother a second time and be born. And Jesus just challenged him to like really understand that this is spiritual, this is bigger than what you can imagine. In John chapter five, he challenged the paralyzed man. This paralyzed man trusted, was curious, asked the question, was all about it, and then Jesus said, 
then pick up your mat and walk. What's so great about that story is Jesus didn't say like, yeah, you've been suffering for a lot of time in your life and I want you to spend the next five days internalizing all that. Think about the pain that you've gone through. Think about the joy you can maybe possibly have if you want to do this. And at the end of the five days, if you feel like it, take up your mat and go, go walk somewhere. That'd be really, really great. No, in that moment he said, do this. There are moments that we can have through the right conversations, and this is where the challenge comes into play. Just like we read with the rich young, rich young ruler, Jesus saw him and loved him and then put the challenge out to him. We don't just get to stomp our foot and say, you need to do it this way, get over it and do it. Here's the truth, ha, ha, ha. No, we go, I see what you're saying, and if you really want this, let's nudge you in this direction. I know that you're ready for this step. I understand that you're scared to make this because you're gonna have some friends look at you and go, what are you doing? Are you this like Jesus freak guy now? These things are gonna happen. As dumb as that might sound, like this, these are real conversations that people have. Like They're concerned about being seen as something different. This identity change that they're gonna be taking on and we got to be there to nudge them lovingly and challenge them to say, yes, you can jump off the diving board. It's going to be okay. And we nudge them because the biggest factor that why we don't change is fear. Fear of a number of different things, but the biggest thing is the fear of the unknown. One of the strangest things as, as a believer that I think maybe you don't wrestle with that I kind of wrestle with is the fact that like, I know where I'm going from this life to the next. I know. I think it's great. But here's the deal. I don't want to die. Not because I don't want to be with Jesus. I, I just don't know exactly what that looks like. I know what life looks like. I know what life with this family of mine that I have. So why would I want to leave that? There you go. Your pastor doesn't want to die. So I'll just be here forever and doing whatever. But when we, we need to understand, like, this threshold is a very pivotal time because we're not just asking them to believe. We're not just asking them to have faith. Our friends that are walking through this journey are literally going through an identity crisis that everything they were living as is being challenged. And it's hard. So as we kind of wrap up, I want us to, we're going to sing with the third song that we, uh, we sang this morning. I'm not great with titles. What is the title of it? Build My Life. There you go. Because as we were singing, I'm like, that's, yeah, that's it. He's the foundation. We're going to let him, we're going to build off of that. We're going to love people around us. And be amazed by it.
And here's the last thing for this morning before we sing. Jesus with the paralyzed man, he told a paralyzed man to get up and walk and he walked. And we can look at that and say, that's really great. That's a good Jesus story. Here's the deal. The disciples were given power. Ordinary people like you and I were given power by the Holy Spirit and they perform miracles. I'm not saying you're gonna tell a paralyzed man to get up and walk. I think it'd be awesome if you did. But don't be, don't cast off a change in someone's life and not think that that's a miracle. When you're working with someone, when you're talking with someone, when you're invested in someone's life and you see them pivot with that open to change, that's miracle. That's fantastic. So I wanna pray for us. I want you to just kind of sit with this song, worship, do all that stuff. And then we'll come together one last time. I got a few things to tell you and then uh, we'll, we'll move on to do the Jesus work in our, in our world, okay? Father, thank you for this moment, for today, for right now, for as we are, we come to you and we say, who is in our life right now that needs this type of a conversation? Who, who are you putting in front of us to walk these thresholds through? May we realize that our stories have power, that you have given us power to do great things. And that we realize that the change in someone's life is because of you. So we ask you to inspire us, to show us, to open the doors for conversations. In your name, amen.